Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm Yvette Walker, your host for this podcast on finding the true meaning of God's joy. Joy is not a feeling, it's faith. And my guests and I will talk about how to avoid falling down the rabbit hole of chasing physical or emotional joy. In this season, we'll tackle spiritual growth as we discover the true joy of the Lord. From Positively Joy Ministries comes Journaling in His Joy, a new journal that can help you discover what brings real joy by journaling every day and creating a six-month record of memories worth collecting. With over 240 journaling pages, monthly and weekly check-in sheets, and weekly coloring journal pages, This guided journal will help you find joy even in difficult times by actively looking and choosing to see it in every moment. In this journal, you'll look for joy every day and record what you see and experience. Maybe you'll experience it in a rainbow or a song or in the sound of laughter. Choose joy on days where nothing seems to go right and spread that joy to others. Get your copy of Journaling in His Joy, available at Amazon and other fine booksellers. Non-religious people, as well as Christians, can suffer from depression and suicide ideation. So everyone, listen up. Today's episode with author D. Neil Elliott takes us down a path that might be different for regular listeners. We talk about depression and suicide using language that some people, not necessarily Christian, can recognize and relate to. But what's the same is that our Creator's incredible grace and unconditional love remains. As we move into this next year, it's important to be able to talk to all kinds of people with all kinds of beliefs and values. Stay with us through this one. Here's Neil. Neil, thank you so much for appearing on the Positively Joy podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Yvette. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Uh, We're talking about spiritual growth this season, and you had an experience that I think will bring a lot to this conversation. Um, And also, we want to talk about your book, um, A Higher Road, which will make perfect sense once people learn about the experience that I'm talking about. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, and how you got to the point where you were going to write A Higher Road. Absolutely. So I'll give everybody context. So I was born in 1960. So that puts a little marker in it there. Uh, Professional engineer with an MBA, uh, and I've worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 34 years and in corporate. Uh, And in 2002, I started my own consulting business. So that's, you know, on a business side of things. And, you know, from 2002 to 2015, I unknowingly and unwittingly 
uh, kind of drove myself into this really deep, dark, despondent depression. I would not have used that language to describe it. Uh, I just realized that, uh, you know, no matter what I did, no matter how much money I made, no matter, you know, how many things I owned, um, I was miserable. Now, I still, my wife and I, my wife is from Germany. We'd travel to Europe. We'd have vacations. It was all great and all fun, especially, you know, kind of almost like I was a different person when I was there. And, uh, but I got back to daily life and the grind and the work and the pressure and the anxiety and the stress, you know, all the stuff that, you know, people experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I was just really in this deep, dark place and I, and I couldn't get out of it. Um, and so I picked up some scientific books at the time and I picked up some newly issued spiritual books. Oh, I should give everybody context. I grew up. Uh, I would say agnostic. My mother was, um, I would say an atheist. I think mm -hmm. that's how she would describe herself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of six kids. And uh, my dad died when I was five. And my mom went out to work immediately. There was no life insurance or anything. So, you know, my mom took on raising six kids all on her own. And I, so I was five at the time when my dad died. Anyway, um, so just a little context there. So I remember lying in the playground, laying in the playground and, you know, kind of looking at the grass and the trees and, the you know, insects and the dandelions and all the things, clover and stuff in the grass. And I was just and looking at the clouds in the sky and thinking there's got to be some mastermind behind this, if you will, I wouldn't have used that language, but something that created that there's so much intelligent design mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. what I'm seeing. But I just, you know, I just didn't know what that was. And I had no religious training. Anyway, so um, in 2015, I found myself in this place. So I picked up some newly issued spiritual books, I picked up some science books. And I started to go through this process to try and sort through how can I change how I think to, uh, you know, just to change my life and, and, and come back to this place of joy and happiness. And, um, you know, as an engineer, and, and we all do this, right? We know what's right and wrong and good and bad and true and false. And so I knew what was right, wrong, good and bad and true and false. But, you know, somehow I got trapped in however I was thinking and feeling. And um, I, so I spent a couple of years kind of studying this. And in November 2017, uh, our house had been on the market for five years. It finally sold. And my wife jumped on a plane to go to Toronto, Ontario, Canada to visit family and friends. We're in this little one bedroom rental apartment in the city. And the, the possession of the house wasn't going to be till the end of January. But um, it sold, the documents were signed, you know, the money was transferred or well, money not transferred yet, but uh, all done. And so uh, I was just done with life. I, I, it seemed to me that if life was about this misery and this pain and this, uh, what I experienced every day, I just figured I'm done with it. I want to be done with it. So I sat down at the little kitchen table. I crafted my suicide note. I planned out my suicide. Wow. In about a week. Yeah. And um, I can't. You know even... what? Let me just jump in just really quickly. 
because you had just sold your house. That's that's a huge load. The average person thinking about it, right? That's a huge load off. You're with your wife, who you, and who you have a great relationship with. You you have been and been able to travel before. It just shows that, you know, these outside things do not necessarily affect how how we feel or 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 how we perceive life to be. And I also had a question for you just really quickly. In the midst of this, you talked about how you were young, no religious training, but you knew something was out there. Did you still feel that way even in the midst of your depression, that there was a master? Um, no, I would say I lost touch with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, um, I became um, ensconced in the, uh, you know, day-to-day life and mm-hmm. uh, what we see as our, our externalities and our, um, you know, our situation in life, our presence in life, our, our focus to get ahead, earn more money, you know, Yes. Participate, be seen, be seen as someone and intelligent and smart, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you're, you're always striving or I was always striving for these accolades, if you will, or, or at least acknowledgement by other people and always careful about how am I coming across to people? And, you know, we all, uh, you know, we're we're actors in our environment, right? We we wear this facade, and no matter how we're feeling internally and how we view the world internally, we can project whatever we want to everybody around us—family, friends, clients, you know, whomever. And uh, so, I can tell you this: that you can never judge the inner reality of another person, no matter how kind and affable they are. They could be an entire misery inside, and you just do not know. Mm. And, you know, you, you, there's stories of this where someone commits suicide, a, a spouse commits suicide and the, the spouse that's remaining is like, how did I miss that? And, you know, they take on this guilt mm-hmm. and why didn't I know? And how could I have missed it? Well, I can tell you that, you know, we're all these great actors. We can totally hide it. And when you are in this place of suicide, you know, at least I, I can speak to my, about myself when I'm, I was in this place. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I certainly didn't want my wife to know about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I did want to make sure that after our house was sold, that I could help my wife move, make her life as comfortable as I could, uh, ensure she'd be financially okay before I pulled the trigger. That's one wow. thing I did want to do. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I had planned that suicide out a few months to ensure I could get all that done and get rid of all the stuff that we accumulate, right? <clears throat> you know, yeah. we plug up our basements and our attics and our houses with things that we, you know, all these toys and things that we buy that, you know, just end up collecting dust and we never really deal with them. So, yeah. uh, you know, I just wanted to clear all that out and and try and make her life as comfortable as possible. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I'm not even sure I had the presence of mind to really understand how suicide would impact her. Because at this point, it was about me and how miserable I was. And I just wanted to be done with it. And I thought she'd be better off without me. Wow. But was the sale of a house kind of like the tipping point? Like, okay, she's she's going to be okay. So now I can go? 
Yeah. That wow. was the trigger. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was like I was hanging on until that house sold. <clears throat> yeah. And then when the house sold, it was like, okay, you know, I can ensure that she's going to be okay. Financially. Wow. Yeah. Well, then what happened? Well, but a week prior to that, um, some information, some material fortuitously arrived, uh, you know, kind of to me. And it promised to liberate me from my thinking if I studied it and I followed it. And I was looking for any last sliver of hope to keep going. Um, And so I thought, okay, well, I'll give this one more go. I will study this material. Uh, I'll follow it. If it doesn't work, I can always pull the trigger. If or uh, and if it does work, great. And so I embarked on this journey of um, following this, learning some new knowledge, understanding some new teachings, and following this material. And a year later, almost a year to the day, really, I woke up and I realized my depression was totally gone. And I was just full of this inner peace and this love and this joy. And these changes happened so slowly and imperceptibly that I just, I wasn't even aware of it. But I just woke up and I went, okay, you know, like, I just view the world so differently. A month later, so 13 months after I began this process, uh, so this would have been late December 2018, after Christmas. I um, went into these two meditations two days apart. And it, when you, if you go through this process and you follow these seven steps that I've outlined and, and do the work, um, you will learn this meditation. And uh, as you go through this meditation, what you do is you, you raise your vibrational frequency of your consciousness. Our creator is so spiritually refined and such a high vibrational frequency that it even though it emits unconditional love to everything in creation, every nanosecond of the day or night, it cannot enter into us and make itself known to us until we begin this process of cleansing our consciousness and rebuilding it uh, to be congruent with where we come from and where we return to after death. And when you do this, what you do is you you start to cleanse yourself of all of these things that's blocking the inflow of the creator. Mm-hmm. And, and when you do this, then it will enter into you. So what happened was um, at the end of December, I went into these meditations, two days apart, uh, two meditations. And um, I got into this meditation very quickly, went through this process of raising my vibrational frequency. And then all of a sudden, the spiritual energy, it it flowed in through the crown of my head. It filled my body. And then it totally enveloped me in unconditional love. And we don't have the language to describe it, but it it would be like being a deep sea diver suspended in the ocean. And I was just totally enveloped in unconditional love. Mm -hmm. I didn't care what aches and pains my body's had. I didn't care what illnesses I had. I didn't care what anybody had done to me in the past. And I didn't care what I had done to anybody. I just felt totally supported, non-judged, um, just unconditionally loved. Like I don't have the language to describe this. And I just, I just wanted to stay there forever. And I came out of that meditation 
And then two days later, I had the exact same meditation. And at that point, then I knew that this new knowledge I gained, that this process I followed brings us back to our truth, to who we really are, and uh, puts us on this path of um, being what we came here to be, which is open and purified channels of God or the divine. Um, to be this embodiment of unconditional love, to express this unconditional love uh, to any everything and everyone in your environment. Mm. And um, it's just it's just been this amazing ongoing process since then. Wow, wow. You know, you talked about the language. Um, you talked about opening yourself, you know, scripturally. You know, we read about the fact that people have hardened their hearts. That's the language that we see in the Bible. And I kind of get that idea. You've hardened your heart. You've closed yourself off to this unconditional love that you received. And we have to, we have to open ourselves. You talked about a vibrational frequency. You have to open ourselves. And that's what, you know, that is what I also find to be true. Um, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And also just how, as you said, imperceptibly you changed. Clearly, you had enough of a change to not go through with it. That alone is huge. But then over the time, you began to see your, as you were changing, you almost couldn't even see it until like that year later. And you suddenly realized, I'm not the same person that I was before. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so talk a little bit about, so, you know, what I've, there's many things I've learned. So I'll I'll just, you know, I'll give everybody context for this is um, these are examples and analogies. So, you know, when we're born, were this little embodiment the baby is this little embodiment of unconditional love and you know we're here to go through this journey this evolutionary process and so the the baby is born it's unconditional love and the brain the human brain doesn't develop to about age five where it can start to make conscious choices for itself and so what it's really doing from you know babyhood to age five is it's absorbing everything in its environment. It's absorbing its uh, parents' attitudes, uh, feelings, uh, kind of language they use. You know, is it denigrating and hateful and vengeful and victimhood language? Or is it loving, kind and supportive language? Mm-hmm. It's starting to shape and hone it and hew its personality, but also starting to program and embed in the subconscious mind. And then at age five, you know, the child can start to make conscious choices for itself. So you're already starting to shape and hone and hew this personality. And um, this is why children. So, you know, there's a little example of why um, children in the same family can be so entirely different. (laughs) You know, so... (laughs) Um, you, you know, so at age five, you know, age six, you typically, you go to school, you're starting to learn from other people, have other experiences. And 
really what we're doing is we're starting to shape and hone and heal our personality and program our subconscious mind. And so as we grow from babyhood to adulthood, we think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world. But really what we're doing is we're programming our subconscious mind. We're shutting our soul off from the light. We're binding it down with these chains and these thongs. Mm -hmm. And we're shutting it off from the light and we're letting our egos, which is part of this whole process, take control of our lives. So when we let all of these, um, and then what we do is as we get into adulthood, so we've now shaped and honed in hue, we let our egos take control of our lives, we become ego-driven, we become focused on all of our externalities. We let our emotions and how we're feeling and how we behave and how we react be driven by um, what happens in our environment around us. And these become these egoic responses, you know, this hate, this anger, this outrage, or, you know, this loving, kind, supportive language, or feeling guilty, or, or feeling like a victim, you know, all of these things. And the process that, you know, so for happened to me was, I needed to, and everybody I believe needs to do this, you have to go through this process where you start to, to rebuild your consciousness. So what you believe is right and wrong, good and bad, true and false is really just a belief. And if you can understand that, then, and you can understand that what you believe, what you think, what you say, what you do is creating all of your experiences in your life, which rebound to affect you, to help you learn these lessons you need to learn. Till you finally get to this point where you wake up and you understand that, um, you know, your, the, the beliefs that you have, that you're letting control your life, you need to come back into alignment with, with God or with our creator, whatever you want to say. And in order to do that, you have to understand that, okay, there's to be congruent with where we come from and where we return to after death, which is unconditional love. We need to rebuild our consciousness and we need to get at this sub, at this subconscious programming, which these things that we have programmed in our subconsciousness are like concrete. And we need this process to break those up, dissolve them, and then rebuild our subconsciousness and our consciousness to be in alignment with where we come from with God. And when we do that, then the spiritual energy can flow into us. You make contact with the creator. And as the spiritual energy flows in, it'll fill your body, it'll fill your heart. And we have let this masculine world, this, you know, drive for centuries, for, you know, millions of years, if you will, for centuries, um, this masculine energy drive our world. And what we need to do is bring this balance back between the male and the female. We need, and the, the female is expressed through the heart, through love. And what we need to do is, is bring this back to become this balance between this male and female and really let, you know, um, love be our driver. Let your heart lead with the heart and the intellect will follow. And as we do this, we come back into alignment and you get this. And I'll tell you, your life will totally change. Whether you're ill or you're healthy, you're happy, depressed, whether you live in a mansion or you live on the street, you can totally transform your life when you understand these processes, 
when you go when you're willing to do the work and the work it's simple but the difficulty is you have to deal with yourself and if you're willing to go through this process and deal with yourself then you can be open to become this um uh, you know, open and purified channel of the divine to let it do its work in you, through you, and for you, become this embodiment of unconditional love and be this channel of the divine to express to everyone and everything in your environment. Do you think anyone can, anyone or everyone can understand this? You have the mind of an engineer. Um, do you think that that mindset helped you develop this? Or do you think anybody can understand it and follow it? Well, okay, so uh, good question. <laughs> um, you know how, so let me give you this analogy first, and then I'll answer your question specifically. So if you gather 100 people in a room, and you deliver a specific message with specific language, you might reach 5% of the people. You deliver the exact same message with different language and different concepts and different analogies, you hit another five right. and so on until you reach about 65, 70% of the people and then the rest don't understand no matter how you say it. So I think that the this uh, blueprint material, which... Uh, which I offer to people after they read a higher road and decide if they want to take these seven steps or not, uh, embark on this journey. I believe it is so rational and so logical and it helps. And it essentially what it does is if you're open to it, you have to become like a little child full of curiosity and wonder and have no prejudgment. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, then this material will enable you to go through this process to start to imperceptibly, unknowingly, and slowly change your consciousness and um, allow the creator to eventually um, come into you, make itself known to you and, and help you speed you along on this process. And I believe anybody can do this if they're willing to do the work. Now, Go back to my thing about gathering 100 people in a room. Some people will read this material and it might not work for them because of how they think. Mm -hmm. But it is so understandable by anybody. I can't believe anybody could read this material and not understand it. Whether they choose to do the work and choose to follow it is entirely up to them. We all have free will. You can choose what you like. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, for someone that's listening out there, during your process, that year-long process, uh, you said there were imperceptible changes. By the end of the year, you were a different person. But before that, when you were getting into a darker place, deeper into depression, did you see that happening? Because I'm just wondering if there's someone out there right now uh, who may be going through something similar, but they don't even really acknowledge or understand what's happening until perhaps it's too late. You know, I didn't know. It happened so slowly. It, mm -hmm. it, you know, the, the 
to become aware of that, you have to be able to almost step outside yourself, become aware of that. Mm-hmm. And when you're on that path of this deep, dark, despondent depression, you are so caught up with what's going on in the world around you and how you feel that, you know, you just, at least I didn't have the capacity to look outside. So I don't think anybody really knows that they're headed down that path. They just one day find themselves there. Mm-hmm. And whether they did, they describe it as depression um, or so, or just feeling miserable or done with life or, or just express it as being totally angry all the time, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think they are there yet. Uh, and so, you know, the selling of the house and, you know, so this material all showed up to me at the right time, right. the science books that I read and, you know, my book, so a higher road is, um, I have it in five sections and I take people through, um, a process to get everybody on the same page. Then I introduce this new material. So part one is what you're going to learn in the book. Part two is a candid memoir to give everybody an understanding of, you know, who I am and, and what I, what was challenging in my environment. And then part three is a really chapter or a, a chapter on consciousness. And I bring everybody up to the same level and I use some science material to, to understand mm-hmm. that. And then I, in part four, I share this um, new material I give people examples of that material. And in part five of the book, I share my process as I went through the seven steps. Okay. And what happened to me during that seven steps. So I recommend people read it cover to cover, understand the processes in its entirety. If it resonates with them, start with some of the science material or start directly with step one. If it doesn't resonate with them, put it on the shelf to read five, 10 years later or give it to somebody else without colorful commentary. Because as I mentioned earlier, we're all great actors in our environment. Mm-hmm. You never know whether somebody's an entire misery inside. And this may make the biggest difference in their life uh, for them to discover this process on their own. So did that answer your question? Yes, yes, it did. Well, you can find all of this, and I'll put this in the show notes, but at dneilelliot.com. And Neil, if people want to get a hold of you or find you on social media, where can they look? So all of my information's on that website. An easy way to get there, by the way, is ahigherroad.com. That'll mm. take you to that website. And my social media is on there. You know, I'm not a huge social media person, but, you know, I do. Um, I'm on Facebook probably more than the others, but I do have Instagram and, and LinkedIn I use for, you know, professional business, but I'm on that as well. So. Wow. And contact information's on the website as well. Great. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing your story today and telling us about the book and perhaps giving hope to someone who might be headed down a path that they really don't want to be. But again, this happens. We know it happens. And, you know, thank you for, for sharing your story as to how you were able to rise above it and to take that higher road. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, thank you so much for uh, our conversation today. And it's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, I'm sure we'll chat again. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to hear previous episodes and to learn more about our ministry and books. Support Positively Joy by becoming a Patreon member and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks to Mars Coleman for the use of his song, The Joy of Knowing. 
And thanks to Susan Marie for editing and production of the podcast. Till next week. Oh, the joy of knowing. The joy of knowing.